Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blade. A very warm welcome to our regular listeners and those who are new to Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio every third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. A series Radio Live invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. As always, Please be prepared for another amazing show covering fascinating topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the New World, the the Next Master, life on other planets, and so much more. So, today on on the Theories Radio Live, your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, will be talking on the fascinating revelation, when... Dr. King realized he came from another world. So it is my great pleasure to hand over to Richard and Chrissy. Thank you very much, Nikki, and a warm welcome to you, Richard, from across the ocean. Hello. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Nikki. Well, today is a very fascinating topic, as as you just heard from Nikki. Um, I was just thinking how often do we have an opportunity to talk about a topic like this? Um, imagine if we could hear from, you know, disciples of the Master Jesus or another great interplanetary master, such a, a personal realization. And Dr. George King, as regular listeners will know, was such an interplanetary master. And in his biography, which we've talked about in previous shows, The King Who Came to Earth, uh, co-authored by Richard Lawrence and Brian Kniep, We learned so much about him personally. And today, very, very happy to have here Richard, the the regular co-host, as you know. But today he's going to share about when Dr. King knew he became interplanetary. And he's been doing a lot of research and thinking about that topic, not just the biography, but also um, on his own just recently. And not just that he came from another world, but when he realized this and how this came about that you'll hear about in this show today. But before we get into that, I'd like to begin by mentioning a special discount on this beautiful biography of Dr. George King. This book was published only a few months ago in August and is now available in the hardback edition and also as an e-book. Now, the hardback edition is a really beautiful keepsake book with with colored photographs and so on. It's an absolutely beautiful book. And right now, until the end of this year, this edition is 20% off. And this is for a signed copy by the two authors, uh, Richard and Brian. And there's only one first edition of any book, and this is a first edition signed copy. So if you order now, you'll get a discounted price of either $25 in the U.S. or £20 if you're in the U.K. until the end of the year. So this is going to make a really fantastic Christmas gift for you and also for any friends or family who, like you, are interested in in spiritual matters or in exceptional people, as Dr. King was. 
And it's one of those gifts um, that you're going to keep forever. It's, it's really a valuable gift that I believe in time will become much more valuable than it is, a really uh, precious first edition copy. So please do uh, get yourself a copy if you haven't got one already, and um, please don't hesitate. You can get it from the Society's main website, Ethereus.org, uh, from the new website for Dr. From, for Dr. King, which is drgeorgeking.org. That's doctor spelled D-R. And for those of you who live near a headquarters or a branch such as the Michigan branch, then you can pick up a copy there. So very, very important book and definitely a life-changing book. So, wow. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chrissy, for that. Um, no wonder you wrote the preface for the book. Um, that, that was very uh, encouraging words. I must say, though, that we did try in this book to do something and quite consciously try to do something which to the best of my knowledge has never been done before. Uh, funny enough actually I was doing a radio interview yesterday with our good friend Rob McConnell, good friend of yours Chrissy, on Exxon yes. Radio TV, um, who's not a member of the society but is very very knowledgeable gentleman and he, you know, I was explaining to him and he seemed to concur that when looking at some of the great masters, we would say the avatars who visited us and in the view of the Ethereum Society from other worlds, uh, although there are writings about them in certain cases, not in all cases, you'd be very hard-pressed to find anything much about Lao Tzu, for example, uh, but on, on many cases, of course, in the Hindu scripts, in the Bible, you will find accounts of Moses, of Jesus, and so on. But they, what they don't do, I feel, is really tell you what those avatars were going through, what their life was really like, even what they were really like, if you like, in character. Because the idea that all great masters are the same uh, is absolutely wrong. They are, they are more distinctive than your average human being, by far, in character. They have very distinctive, very strong, as you would expect, obviously very spiritual personalities, uh, all of which varied rather in the same way that the communicators who transmitted through Dr. King in the transmissions have very different uh, character, characteristics and, and approaches to the same great universal truths. And so we did try um, to, as far as we could, and we're two, two people who knew him uh, extremely well, to, but to try and uh, explain as best we can, and of course we are, we haven't experienced it ourselves, so we're all in ignorance as far as that goes, but what it must have been like. And of course one of those aspects is the one we're discussing uh, this evening or, to, or today, depending where you are while you're listening to this. You know, when did Dr. King realize exactly who he was, where he came from? And uh, that, uh, I think, Chrissy, is a... A fascinating topic, and one which I don't think yeah. you're going to find in any any of the other gospels or any of the other scriptures um, from any tradition about these great avatars. Yeah, and I have to say that you did succeed, and this to me is what makes the book, the biography, uh, so much. So it's a life-changing book because it's not just an intellectual exercise where you learn facts about a master. It's very, very moving because you have 
you understand, you express an understanding of our master and what he went through. And this, this makes it extremely moving, actually, very, very uh, heart-based heart book. Um, so you'll yeah. find it fascinating. Uh, yes, I mean, there's an aspect of it that's tragic, for sure. Uh, there's an aspect of yes. it that's triumphant uh, and extremely inspiring and encouraging. Um, and, and rather in the same way as those who are familiar with the 12 blessings, the, 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 some of those blessings are, are sad. I mean, they're also extremely uplifting and inspiring and hopeful. But certainly, just to name two, the fourth blessing and the seventh blessing uh, have got real mm -hmm. tragedy within them. And that's because of the human race in both cases. And, of course, the fourth blessing is the planetary ones, of which Dr. King was one. And the seventh, of course, is the Mother Earth and uh, her, her terrible situation caused by us here who dwell upon her. Absolutely, yes. So, Richard, um, let's get back to the topic. And the first yeah. question I'd like to ask is um, when... Do you think our master realized that he came from another world? Yeah, I, I would refer people, by the way, who, who want to pursue this in more depth to the biography and specifically to chapter four of the biography, which is the name of that chapter is number one. Um, and I, I actually think, I don't think, I'm sure that we can date it very definitely uh, into a period of time and the period of time is, is just over two years. And during that period of time, he realized he came from another world. And uh, yeah. we'll explain why as we go. But the dates I have are December the 23rd, 1956. It would be after that date. And the other date I have is January 19th, 1959. And it would be before that date. So it's somewhere in that period, and uh, we can certainly explain why I'm saying that as we go, Chrissy. Yeah, so Dr. King was in his late 30s at that time. Yes, he was. So, and, of course, had already yeah. attained samadhi and had already taken a number of, of significant cosmic transmissions by then. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So... You mentioned referring to Chapter 4, which I've just been reading again, a really fascinating chapter. Yes. Uh, there is one passage uh, given St. Peter, actually, transmission delivered by St. Peter, an extract of that, delivered on December the 23rd, 1956. Is that the one that you were referring to? Yes. Uh, yes, that's yeah. on page one. And I must say that we don't normally publish the teachings of, St. Peter. There are, there are a number of very profound teachings delivered in the 1950s uh, through Dr. King from St. Peter, uh, uh, who's a most significant, powerful, and unusual uh, individual. Not at all the individual that's depicted uh, in the church and, in, and, and, and indeed by certain popes as well um, as being a sort of vacillating, rather weak, indecisive person uh, who, who didn't really control his passions too well not at all he was a you know absolutely um, advanced in fact I think in some ways you, one should really look to, as, to Christianity as being the result of two masters 
namely Jesus and St. Peter, because it was St. Peter who guaranteed the church would yeah. continue, and it could easily, from what we can gather from history, have faded out following the um, crucifixion, the resurrection, which wasn't yet believed in by too many people, and had St. Peter not picked up, picked it up with others, it must be said, but he was the leader, then uh, it could easily have faded out. And it was a very dangerous thing to do as well. That, and that, of course, is why he couldn't allow himself to be taken or killed uh, at the time of the crucifixion. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting indeed, and good to get that explanation about St. Peter out, I think. So important. Mm. Such an important figure. Mm -hmm. So this, this uh, wonderful transmission extract... It ends, I think this is probably the part that you were referring to, there's one among you who shall shortly look into his heart and there will see what he too has been. There he will see what he too has been. Then he will rise in completeness. Yes. He was talking there, and, and, the, and the whole of the text, of course, um, is quite interesting because just prior yeah. to that, did you have the whole of the quote, the, the preceding yes. Yes, three I paragraphs? Do, would you... Would you Please be kind enough to read those as well. When the one called Jesus chose his followers at that point. Yes, that point? yes. Yeah. When the one yes. called Jesus chose his followers, chose he not haphazardly, but did recognize that those followers themselves had traveled through the skies before him, even though the followers knew naught of this in those days. But there cometh a day of realization and a day of dawning, and the dawn hath come. Praise be to God on high for this flash, for this hope, for this expression of love. There is one among you who shall shortly look into his heart, and there will see what he too has been. Then he will rise in completeness. Yes, so we have uh, there a description, of course, of uh, the reference to, not necessarily all the twelve, by the way, but certainly to... Uh, certain followers of Jesus, and we know that St. Peter is one of those who was interplanetary. We don't know exactly who the other ones were at that time. We know that St. John, that's the St. John, not the St. John of the book of Revelation, but the St. John, the disciple, is now a planetary one, and what he may have been then. And it's possible, and this might surprise a lot of people, that Judas was interplanetary. He certainly had the, by far the worst job to do, and it was a job yes. that was given to him to do. Um, so who they are exactly other than St. Peter, we don't know for sure. But certainly, I think it's interesting, Chrissy, that they didn't yeah. know. The followers knew naught of this in those days. And it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, Chrissy and I, we were talking about that, weren't we, before the program? Yeah, uh, and, because uh, yeah. wondering why they, you know, not just them, but Dr. King didn't realize early on in his life it wasn't until... You know, he was in his late 30s and just wondering about that. And I thought perhaps it was because, you know, if his full consciousness, he was born with his full consciousness, then the people around him couldn't possibly have survived. He, they would have been burned up by this, perhaps. But you have other reasons, too, I know. Well, I'm not saying Very that's wrong at all. But, but, I mean, one thing I've thought about that I don't know the answer to, and I must be honest about that, I don't know for sure, and, 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 if, and if it's in our teachings, then I've missed it, whether all the avatars 
while they were on Earth, all, every one of them, knew they were interplanetary in that, during that lifetime. Um, it's something I'm not aware of, and as far as I know has never been stated. I don't even know whether Dr. King knew. Um, so we can't assume that. But obviously in certain cases they did know, and in the case of Dr. King he did know, and he would be, as you rightly say, in his late 30s by the time that he knew. Uh, now, the interesting thing would be why? And the short yeah. answer to that, I feel, Chrissy, is karma, because they're all under gross limitation. Um, they they have the opposite problem from us, you know. All, and I used to say this to Dr. King actually. That he, he has exactly the opposite problem from me. When I'm in his presence, I'm trying to get myself up into his level, and he's trying to bring himself down to my level. And on a broader scope, that's true throughout of all avatars all the time. They were deliberately detuned. Uh, if they weren't detuned, uh, they would be impossible for us to be around. It, it, they'd burn up the environment and so on. They, so they, it depends how far they were detuned and whether I, I would assume, and this is my assumption, it was in their mission and essential to their mission mm. to realize their interplanetary origins during that life. Obviously, they'd realize it later. So when St. Peter says, even though the followers knew naught of this in those days, he doesn't say whether they did all realize it later on in their lifetimes or not. We will never know that. Yeah. Yes, as you uh, say, maybe they of, need uh, to. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, in terms of Dr. King, as I mentioned earlier, he had attained samadhi already um, and possibly cosmic consciousness already. Uh, that I don't know, again, the exact date of that but certainly was in an extremely evolved, highly elevated state. More so, I would suggest, than certain other cosmic avatars because he had a different mission than some of them had. I mean, just to name two that we know of in the 20th century, Gandhi is one. He had to uh, undergo extensive legal training, which yeah. uh, is a different type of, uh, of development let's face it, terrestrial legal training. Um, and another one, Sivananda, who was a great master and a very, very realized master, but he had, he had to train as a doctor, which is extremely, and learn medicine and so on. Whereas Dr. King, from virtually, well, even before the end of the Second World War, but certainly after it, 1945, his total focus was on spiritual advancement towards enlightenment. Uh, with service, of course, always being there, uh, healing and so forth. But he was fully, I mean, I, I was saying to you earlier, Chrissy, and I gave a lecture to a UFO group at the weekend, and I asked them, I've never come across anyone yet who claims to have practiced yoga, advanced yoga, for eight hours a day for ten years, unless they no. be in some ashram in the east or something like that, but not in the west or not while doing a job as well and feeding yourself and, and earning money and living a life as much. That was his total life. And it's completely unique. And as he used to drive people as a taxi driver, he used to sometimes say, they asked him what he was doing. He said, I'm going through university. They said, oh, which university? And he said, well, the university of life. Yes. And so he was totally focused on this development. I, I, as I say, not I won't say more than all the other masters, because we know the Buddha divorced himself and so on. 
for 10 years and but I'm not saying it's totally unique, but certainly it's extremely unusual, even among certain avatars. Um, I mean, if you take, yeah. for example, from what we're told about St. Peter, he was a fisherman and uh, had a family, I believe. Very different kind of life he'd had before Dr. King. And because there's a reason for this, because Dr. King had to do his main mission on the inner planes. Um, and uh, through, he had to know astral projection at will and certain spiritual abilities, you might say, in order to perform his particular mission. And uh, oh, and, they, and yeah. therefore he had to evolve. Sorry, Chrissy. No, I was going to say, I wonder if he was inspired to do this tremendous 10 years or 10 hours a day because he had to be able to control the high vibrations of his full sort of interplanetary aspect. Um, it's not that he knew at the time, but something sort of pushed him to do that because control is a big thing. Otherwise, I suppose... You know, it couldn't happen as a child necessarily because they wouldn't be able to control the powers. You know what I'm saying? It's a, maybe a process. Again, I don't know. Depend, I would say it would depend on the mission of the avatar and what they were there to do again, um, because they didn't all, uh, from you know, do what he did in their in those years. Yes. That's true, um, yeah. Some mm -hmm. did, no doubt. But um, certainly, I, I've always thought, uh, and reading about the things he experienced in that period, including invisibility, uh, levitation, yeah. I mean, physical powers, as well as psychic and spiritual ones, uh, control over weather, uh, and so forth, using Devic invocation, the things that he learnt in that period uh, were extremely unusual. And I've always, and then the, the Kundalini rises he was having, not in some retreat in the Himalayas or somewhere with others who could help or, you know, people of like mind, but virtually alone in, in a town like London. Um, the yeah. amazing thing to me is that he remained balanced, which he did yes. and, and always did actually. Yeah. He had a tremendous, yeah. uh, although his life was extremely difficult and I've never come across anyone who took responsibility like he did, being on call for 43 and a half years for 24 hours a day um, without a break from being on call. Nevertheless, he had this great sense of humor, as you know, Chrissy. Yes, yes, he did. Oh, Richard, mm. just going back to the point you made about karma, I wondered if you could explain yeah. that. Um, you're talking, of course, I suppose, about karma of mankind, uh, not his yes. karma. Yes. Well, the, the beings from other worlds take upon themselves karma. Uh, they accept and allow and agree to be limited by karma when they come here. So they're under great karmic limitation. So what I really meant by that was, in relation to when they realized who they were, that too would be governed by karma, I would suggest, as well as their own realization. Um, and, and it's interesting that St. Peter says there cometh a day of realization. Oh, yeah. And there's a kind of a suggestion there that it's almost like when you're allowed to. And you always felt that. I certainly always felt that with Dr. King in, in general, that he was um, divorced, and we're probably coming on to this later in the program, from his real self nearly all the time. Occasionally, he'd have this sort of connection and while he was divorced, he wasn't allowed, and we, we, seem to, we should think about this, I think, to know 
what he what was his own knowledge he couldn't have access and so he would talk for example i've had conversations with him about the next master about the new planet about and from all that you could glean of the way he was talking you would think he didn't know exactly when the next master will come who the next master will be where the new planet is exactly um now of course he could be covering uh, but assuming that he wasn't, I, I'm sure, and, and certain events in his life prove, that he just was simply wasn't allowed to know everything a lot of the time. It wasn't allowed to carry in his physical brain, if you like, karmically, because of the karma he'd accepted. And uh, this was the, the, the biggest cause of suffering in his life, mm. of course. We can't imagine the limitation and frustration that he must have no. felt. Yeah, we you bring that yeah. out a lot well really well in the book i mean it's you know it's really it's hard to imagine it though isn't it to to sort of yes, have great powers and then be walking around without them and and this is something that he and the three adepts all found uh, the the worst aspect and i my understanding is that they won't be put in that position again and yet the thing I, is I, he I, brought out he whenever said. he sort of when he was in London, you know, he was to walk down the stairs. You'd never, he never expressed his suffering to others, uh, or perhaps to a few close people, but he never sort of, most people wouldn't have known how he suffered on a daily basis. No, I, um, I, I think there's, that's, that, that would be true certainly of most people and most people around him. There were rare occasions when he did, a uh, little bit, but I'm sure it was mild compared to what he was really going through, I, I would say. So, as you say, how balanced he was. Absolutely amazing. Mm, so Richard, I think actually, um, yes, really is a miracle. Um, time flies, and it's actually halfway through the show, believe it or not. I can't believe it. So, My goodness. I know. <laughs> well, the good, the good news is about that is that we'll hear from uh, Nikki again. I know. It's you know, always worth hearing, waiting for that. You know? <laughs> 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 so over to Nikki. Well, well, thank you so much, Richard and Chrissy. Uh, you are listening to a serious radio live with hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze talking on amazing, fascinating revelations. When Dr. King realized he came from another world, it really is fantastic so back to the announcements every Saturday and Sunday you are welcome to join us in the live online 12 blessing services so to find out more please visit 12blessings.org and that is 12 in digits uh, for more details regarding regular activities of the Michigan branch please visit AsiriusMI.org as already mentioned by Richard his interview on Exxon Radio with Rob McConnell uh, will be um, available, so please visit Richard's website, www.richardlawrence.co.uk. Right now, the events in the UK are as follows. On Saturday, November 23rd, there will be our pilgrimage to the Holy Mountain Brown Willie in Bodmin Moor, Cornwall, where the Lord's Declaration was delivered through Dr. George King on this date in 1958. You are warmly 
very warmly invited to join us if you're able to attend. Please visit our website, ethereus.org, to obtain more essential information about this pilgrimage. At the Ethereus Temple in London, we have a very exciting special event, and I'm saying exciting, which will take place on Sunday, December the 8th, because Richard Lawrence will be uh, holding a very special event called Becoming a Disciple, Past, Present and Future. So please don't miss that if you're in London. It really is will be amazing. 12 midnight GMT, December 10th, sees the end of the fourth spiritual push for 2019. So sadly, the giant spacecraft we know as the third satellite leaves orbit of Earth, having flooded our world with much needed spiritual energy since November 4th. Again, you are warmly invited to attend London, Los Angeles, and Michigan, or any one of our centers where special services will be held to mark this potent time. The next Ethereum Radio Live show will be on December 17th, when Richard and Chrissy will be talking about discipleship through the ages. So please visit ethereum.org for full details of anything mentioned in this show. So that's it for now. So I'm very pleased to return you to your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Well, thank you very much, Nikki. A lot going on as usual. So, Chrissy, I think perhaps, do you think we should, uh, I was going to suggest, because we've given the date when he can't have known, December the 23rd, 1956, because St. Peter said, one among you is shortly realize it. And that must have been him. There was no one else in that circle or in that attending that event that could possibly be relating to other than him. And so we can safely say that it came sometime after, and according to St. Peter, he said shortly, after December 23rd, 1956. But do you think we should explain why it is that we know that it happened before the 19th of January, 1959? Absolutely. In fact, I was just going to ask that question that when oh, you were. Mary oh, sorry King experienced it. No, no, that's okay. Um, Mary King experienced it. Um, I wonder if you could explain that to the listeners, Richard. Yes, certainly. Um, Mary King was informed uh, that her son came from another world. And we are told that when she had, and this is quite well known, I think, to some of our listeners, that she was taken up in a so-called flying saucer or a UFO um, with, by Mars Sector 8 with a copy of the 12 Blessings and indeed certain other books, but with the 12 Blessings, and he blessed it. And that's a very famous occasion, and it's, it's mentioned in the 12 Blessings itself. But after Jesus had blessed this uh, book, we're told Mars Sector 8 spoke to Mary King about various things. And from reading early cosmic voices, you can see this described. And one of the things he told her was about her own past life. And he told her who her son, Dr. King, had been in a former incarnation. Now, separately, it's revealed that Dr. King did not have former incarnations on this planet. That he had 
uh, in fact, former incarnations, uh, or rather I should say fleeting visits is the phrase, I believe, to this yes. world, but not incarnations. So when this uh, reference to a former incarnation must have been interplanetary. So therefore right. Mary King must have been told on January the 19th, 1959, unless she already knew it, but she certainly was told by that date, that he was interplanetary. And I believe he, he, she was also told which planet he came from, which is Mars. But certainly that he was interplanetary. Now, on another occasion when speaking about his brilliant lecture, The Four Aspects of Creation, Dr. King says this, there was an aspect number four Martian in a certain place, and this aspect number four realized its Martian connections, but of course tried to keep them secret. A direct physical contact to a relative of this aspect number four gave this relative the greatest shock of their life when they were told so-and-so comes from the planet Mars. So what we have described there is the fact that the Martian, the four, fourth aspect, that's uh, the phrase used for a, an avatar incarnated physically on Earth, uh, was knowledgeable that they were Martian, and their relative had a direct physical contact in which they were told that so-and-so comes from Mars. Now, that direct, that Martian in a certain place is undoubtedly Dr. King himself. He's talking about himself, I would definitely assert. And the direct physical contact to a relative would be his mother. And so right. the latest date that that physical contact would have been was January the 19th, 1959, following the incident uh, where the 12 blessings was blessed, when she was told by Mars Sector 8. And, of course, that means that Dr. King already knew it before then, so he must have known before then. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I, I would extrapolate the date being mm -hmm. between December the 23rd, 1956 and the 19th of January, 1959, which actually fits in very well with, I think, something we've spoken out about before. It's a very complex subject uh, on Ethereus Radio Live, which is the uh, contact that uh, he had on May the 16th, 1958, uh, a Putney Common uh, with what he called his own master. I personally believe, and I know that Brian Kniep believes, and we've put this in, into the book as our opinion, uh, that he, it was in fact his own higher aspect that contacted him. And that was probably, or well, I'll say possibly, the main purpose of it, to explain and reveal to him the condition he was in doesn't mean he didn't know beforehand that he was interplanetary. He may have known by then, but certainly it was fully explained, the condition, the nature, uh, if you like, of his condition in that contact. That's very interesting indeed. Uh, for listeners, you can actually get a download of that fantastic uh, lecture about that, I believe, on our website. Mm -hmm. So, yes. um, and there's an yeah, article very, in very Cosmic Voice uh, as well. Yeah. Oh, right. Great. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, of course, our master didn't uh, come out and, and declare that, did he, at all? Quite the opposite, I think, in some ways. 
Um, That's very true. That's very true. In fact, I think one could certainly uh, get the indication from various comments that were made in that period that had it been up to the cosmic masters themselves, it would have been revealed. Right. Uh, and, Interesting. And, uh, you know, I think we have various examples of this, which are are in the biography. One of the best known is a statement that the Master Jesus made on the 21st of April 1959, uh, at the end of a, a transmission following St. Gulling, and he made this statement. My son, you are now one of us, and we now declare this to all men. That's uh, by the Master Jesus talking to Dr. King during a transmission. Now, when he says you are now one of us, of course, he was already one of them. But Master Jesus obviously means that now it can be said, because he continues, and we now declare this to all men. So as far as he, the Master Jesus, was concerned, he would have been perfectly happy, based on that statement, for Dr. King to tell everyone on Earth, really, that he was interplanetary. And there are other uh, indications we have. It's quite a consistent theme that he really went, it was he, Dr. King, who decided to withhold this as far as he could. Some people guessed, one of some people knew, but he didn't reveal it publicly ever, really. Uh, or maybe, I won't say never, but if he did, he did it in such a way that, uh, for example, that was published, that statement itself was published, but somehow he managed to sort of camouflage it and um, mm. it just got passed over by a lot of people. <laughs> It's so interesting that you've managed to narrow it down to you know just over two years actually, isn't it? So that's it good. is, it's it is. Never been and it could really be a lot less than like that, that because yeah. yes, and I, I think it's if... interesting that that's the time period of, of of the four aspects of creation being given to him, and and although he himself, being a, the generous teacher and master that he was and is, shared it with us. I don't think it makes too much sense until myself, until you know that it was really being given to him. And he chose to share it with us. I don't think he had to share it with us. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe he was told to. I don't know. But he certainly did share it. But yeah. it was really... And, and, and interestingly enough, the four aspects of creation were not given about interplanetary existence throughout the solar system. They were given about Martians, it was about Martian existence, which would, of course, be totally relevant to him. Yes. Yes, I mean, it's not something that we really need to know <laughs> these things just yet. So it, you're probably, you know, it's really interesting that you have interpreted it in that way. Fascinating. And I do think also for to really understand him and to really... Uh, you know, become attuned with him, it's extremely helpful to understand the four aspects of creation. And, uh, and as he said, nothing like this has ever been revealed before. Uh, this is the first time it's been explained to the world. It's available to the world. And it does throw a lot of light. I mean, yes, we have um, the fourth blessing, which is extremely revealing. Uh, which yeah. actually came, I should add, after the four aspects of creation were given by a couple of months, two or three months, uh, or a bit more. But it's, it's, this is the most detailed, really, explanation of the condition, and there's lots of very interesting things uh, in that revelation. I mean, just to name one thing, uh, 
uh, I'll just read one thing that he, he said about it. Um, I was, and this is him talking about that experience. He says, I was further told that it is necessary for a marsh, if it is necessary, for a Martian to take permanent or semi-permanent residence upon Earth, another body is formed, referred to as aspect number four. That's the body he was in. As with aspect number three, that's the traveling body, this could also be two separate intelligences, male and female, or one intelligence which was male and female energetically balanced in such a way as to enable it to perform a specified psycho-spiritual function. Sometimes this aspect number four, either as two separate entities or a single one, is introduced into the cycle of terrestrial life for one or more incarnations. And he goes on, all of the twin souls forming aspect number three have a full realization of their higher counterparts. Often the lower aspect number four has but dim knowledge that he or she is part of a greater whole, although this awareness is now gradually dawning on these beings. Now, I think that's very interesting, actually, uh, Chrissy, and yeah. it's something I, I, I actually uh, was discussing uh, with, uh, with Mark Bennett, and he found some interesting things, some further things, actually, about that, which um, I shall look for while you tell us more, Chrissy. Oh, I found it. It's very interesting to wonder why there would be two separate intelligences or a single one. I suppose yes, that well, would it depend is. upon the mission. Uh, of the, Indeed. Of and, the and of course, we know in the case of Dr. King that he, it, it was within him. And I think, again, it helps us to understand him better. Now, I have found the reference that Mark uh, kindly supplied us, and it comes from the question and answer session after the sixth freedom. So it, it is available people to people, and it was given on the 28th of May, 1961. And the question is this, why are there so many male masters and so few women masters? Mm. Which I think is a very good question. I've been asked that myself yes. several times, and it's a very fair question. And this is the answer that Dr. King gave. There have been one or two but the greatest masters have always been in a male body, even though, of course, a master cannot be truly male and be a master. This is not possible. It really means that he has a slight percentage more male cells in the body than female cells. A master like Jesus was almost as much a woman as he was a man, and yet he had a man's body. This must be true. He had the higher intuitive powers and the compassion of a woman, and yet at times the strength and power and creative ability of a man. This is the description of a master. So you cannot say, and I'm, this is all Dr. King speaking, not me, you cannot say that any master is certainly not all man, inasmuch as he is one of those great brute individuals, even though he might have great power and strength. I know a man who's as thin as a rake and pick hold of a chain and break it like this because of his theory that he shouldn't be able to, but in practice he can. And yet he has the finesse, subtlety and delicacy of a woman at the same time. He could pick hold of any heavyweight boxer and break him in two quite easily without blinking an eyelid, and yet he still has that grace and subtlety of a woman, you see. So there is no such thing as an all-male master. I mean, there just couldn't be. If he was, he would be an ape. An ape, a male ape, has more male cells than female cells, and he's a more of a male than any man is a male. I think that's a very interesting thing, don't you, Chrissy? Speaking, it's very as a woman? interesting. 
Oh, absolutely, mm. yeah. The master teaches in such a graphic way, doesn't he? So, so simply. And, he yeah. does. And, and you can see yeah. why in the past, and hopefully it wouldn't be so true today, hopefully, but certainly in the past, it was necessary for them to take male yeah. bodies often uh, because of the backward nature of our planet where women were not given opportunities to accomplish missions, frankly. Uh, they would have had too many obstacles. I mean, uh, this is my opinion I'm giving now, put in their way. And so it was necessary for these masters to take male bodies uh, to perform particular tasks in this world. But it's a, important to remember they weren't male. They were male and female. Um, in certain cases, we're told that there'll be two aspect number fours, but uh, I, I don't know of any such examples, but certainly in the case of Dr. King. And it's interesting, the example he gives, this, this man who's as thin as a rake and pick hold of a chain and break it like this, I wonder if that's himself. I mean, I, oh, I also wonder yeah. if it isn't adept number three, except that I don't know that adept number three is as thin as a rake. He might be. No. So adept mm. number three, of course, who's in a fourth aspect body, who is has tremendous strength, is certainly also extremely um, quick in his movements and has fantastic responses. But this description, I know a man, I'll just read this again, who's as thin as a rake and can pick hold of a chain and break it like this because of his theoretically shouldn't be able to, but in practice he can, yet he has the finesse, subtlety, and delicacy of a woman at the same time. He could pick hold of any heavyweight boxer and break him in two quite easily without blinking an eyelid, and yet he still has that grace and subtlety of a woman, you see. So it's interesting. Who he's talking about, um, we don't know, but the two candidates I'd put up would be either at number three, that's if he is as thin as a rake, uh, I'm not sure that he is, or our master himself, uh, who could, of course, was a great boxer, in his day, and yet had this, I mean, you've seen him dancing, haven't you, Chrissy? Had a very yeah, um, delicate movement at times, and so he might have might have been referring to himself in that quote. Yeah, I agree with your assessment about why it was essential on this earth for uh, the interplanetary masters to be men because of the backwardness of hmm. mankind, and perhaps in the future there will be women interplanetary masters uh, but I, yes, I also and hopefully they won't have to I come in fourth aspect. I'll just well, say yeah. on that point, if I may, hopefully they won't have to come in fourth aspect bodies. Hopefully they'll be able to yes, come in travel, exactly. traveling aspect bodies. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. But I just wanted to say, because I know women often ask me about this too, that when I came into the society, it was the first organization I found that actually referred to female masters in the spiritual hierarchy. And in fact, in the Nine right. Freedoms, there's a wonderful chapter about the initiation of ascension of a female master. And yes, so we do, female. We do, yes. Yeah, this, I didn't find that in any other organizations in the same way. So. No, and I think Definitely. it's very interesting in, in, in the, the book that we have, My Contact with the Great White Brotherhood, it's again a female master that he has the contact with. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, tremendously knowledgeable master, female master. And uh, so that, yes, I, I think it's a, a very important fact. And, of course, we know, for example, that Sector S2 that we often refer to, Sector S2 and team who arrange the Operation Space Power 2, among many other things, uh, runs that we do, operations that we do for emergency situations in that team, uh, there are at least two ladies. Yes, 
yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Very good point. So that's quite a revelation so about we go the from four that, aspects Chrissy? of creation. <laughs> yes, I mean, I think, so gradually, I think another thing um, I would I'm add... Sorry, you you go on, please. No, carry on if you have a, a point to make, but I was going to say gradually his awareness is dawning and it, it would have been that period before the 12 blessings really was finished and Operation Starlight yes. it really dawned on him. I suppose perhaps that was um, the reason it happened at that time before yes. his mission began. I was, going to go on to, I was going to sort of venture on to talk about the mm -hmm. separation, something we can't really understand, the separation he must have experienced so oh, often yes. from his own real self, which must be uh, must have been really uh, not only frustrating but painful. Now we know that, uh, and if we're right about this, that his contact uh, on Putney Common, uh, he didn't only have one, by the way, he had a, another Putney co uh, co contact on Putney Common uh, on January the 18th and 19th, overnight, actually the same time or the night before probably, uh, or maybe the same kind of period that Mary King was taken up in, in, in by Mars Sector 8. He had a contact, again on Putney Common, and if it's the same master that he had that contact with, and there's no reason to believe it isn't, this master uh, is described as Mars, a Martian, and a member of the Supreme Council. And that's interesting in itself, because if it is him, then he's a member of the Supreme Council. Whether that's the Supreme Council on Mars, or even perhaps more likely the Supreme Council of the Solar System, which has representatives, of course, from various planets, that shows his very, very elevated status uh, in his, when in his full aspect, if that is him indeed. Um, and in fact, um, he was, we did get uh, some information, didn't we, about uh, a, a transmission from St. Guling, uh, which there was a minute describing it, and this would be uh, in, this again is published in detail in the biogra biography, but there's a minute that we found in our research dated oh, early 1959, Special Director's Instructions and Reports for the London Committee, committee uh, and the communicator was named as St. Guling, and then there's notes of the main points. And just to give you some of them, George King came from Mars, volunteered for his mission a hundred years ago, he's had no previous terrestrial incarnations, has considerable cosmic status, and soon in Cosmic Voice everyone will see reference to a Martian individual. Um, and I would assume that means that the, the, the instruction or the directive from St. Galing was to publish this in Cosmic yeah. Voice. I mean, it could mean something else, but that's what it looks like. So once again, if that was an instruction, it, it wasn't one that Dr. King followed. Uh, he never did directly come out. And even when he talks about the four aspects of creation in his brilliant lecture that you referred to, Chrissy, he, even there he's tying it in with another transmission called a Meditation for This Age, uh, given by Mars Sector 6. He is very careful, and he ties it in brilliantly, but he's very careful not to come full out and say, this was given to me to explain the condition I'm in, 
uh, I am from Mars. He just simply would not do that. There may have been classified reasons why he decided not to. He was extremely cautious a person anyway. I mean, I, I, just to give a silly example, I, I was traveling with him and we stopped somewhere and um, we, we happened to be in a bar somewhere and I had a packet of matches with the address that uh, came from the hotel we'd just come from and someone in there who was a friend of friendly chap that we were chatting to happened to be a policeman and saw the packet of matches and it showed where we'd been because it gave the address of the hotel, uh, Dr. King, you know, very nice, gentle way afterwards, uh, don't show people anything in future, don't let them work. He didn't even want people, he kept things mm. very, very close to his chest, as you know, Chrissy. And yeah, so he certainly kept this big, big secret, a secret really very successfully all his life. And in fact, it's only now that we're really talking very openly about it uh, in the Ethereum Society and on the Ethereum Radio Live. Yes, I mean, over 60 years, really, since uh, he first knew that information. So, mm. But perhaps now, um, yeah. when the majority of people, according to surveys, believe in not only UFOs, but life on other planets, people perhaps now are ready to really understand this, as well as the other reasons. I don't know. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. <laughs> I, I just think it's our duty to... to you see, the, the danger that existed to him when he was physically alive to his personal yeah. safety has, has been removed. And yes, so okay. for that reason, certain things can be said uh, that couldn't be said then, or he said he didn't allow to be said then too openly. Uh, and so now, but we're still not revealing absolutely everything about every mission. For example, uh, some of the details of, uh, of, the, of the classified missions that he wanted kept classified should be kept classified uh, unless they reveal to people under the right initiation only. That was his wish, and that's something we should always honor. Absolutely, yes. But I, I would just touch again on, on, on this, just before we leave it, because we're running out of time. Uh, I do know that when he went to America in 1959, he desperately wanted that contact again. And he said he wanted it because he wanted to have a two-way, he had a two-way communication whenever he had this contact with the master, he called his master. Um, whereas with, he got transmissions, of course, uh, which was a, a one-way communication, as it were. And when he got to America, he desperately tried for years to try and bring this contact about. And he wasn't able to do so uh, until he had the contact reported, which took place in April of 1964, that long. And it's wow, reported yeah. in a wonderfully written book. I mean, beautifully. I was, I'd forgotten how beautifully written this book is. It's called Space Contact in Santa Barbara. And he had several attempts and went to various places before he actually could bring this contact about again, and then it's beautifully described in that book when he could. But I also must wonder, which he never said, was it not also a desperate desire on the part of the lower aspect of a great intelligence to unite with his own true self? Wasn't that the great longing that he must have experienced in those years, uh, or five years, before he was able to break, make that contact yes. again? Yes, indeed. Richard, uh, you mentioned the book, so beautiful. Um, there's one short paragraph. I wonder if I could read that. Uh, yes, please when he was do. on the beach, he said, Life is like yes. these sands, 
spread out through the plain of karma and man, likened unto the waves that wash these karmic sands, encroaching, gaining experience from this encroachment, and then receding back again into another trough of life so that further preparation can be made for even another system of encroachment into knowledge. The result of this is the experience gained by the encroachment and recession. So it will go on and on. Beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful, beautiful. That's, those are the words of his master, aren't they? And then when, when the contact was brought about, it's very moving in the light of what we now know. He says, my heart leapt for joy when I felt the manipulations always experienced prior to such a contact. From the spine upwards, I felt a tremendous surge of power. Then my spinal column seemed to become ice cold. I was strangely aware of it, yet it seemed to change so radically that it took on greater importance than normal. Powerful energies ran up and down in it. It was as though some invisible fingers were strumming upon the spinal column as would a fine harpist pluck the cords of his instrument. I heard the voice quite plainly, loud, as though it had been projected from outside into, into my very head. It had the same qualities I'd noticed before, deep, rather booming, as though it was spoken in some type of conical amphitheater, which gave it a resonating effect. The usual very gentle yet firm request was made at the beginning of this contact. And I think that's a description that he always makes with this particular contact, which is completely different from his description. You know, he, he describes... Uh, going into samadhi and, and, and the beam placed upon a certain chakra when he's receiving a transmission. Very different. This is w as though it's within his own spinal column. And it's uh, perhaps again revealing of this contact being made with his own real self. I would attach myself to your consciousness. That in itself, I think, yeah. is a massive clue. That's the first statement always or generally made and made here. I would attach myself to your consciousness, my son. Yes. I think yes, over to I, Nikki, sure. don't you now? Yeah, I was just going to see if we still had that book available. I hope so. Um, for people I hope to so. purchase. It's just a small book. But anyway, look on the website, serious.org. Over mm. to Nikki. Yes, thank you so much, Richard. That was Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you. Well, I mean, wow. I mean, thank you so much. Richard and Chrissy, for yet another amazing show and sharing such deep revelations. That really was amazing. You have been listening to A Serious Radio Live, which is your cosmic connection, the third Tuesday of each month. The next show, and please don't miss this, will be on December the 17th when... Richard and Chrissy will be talking about discipleship through the ages. Whew, <laughs> really something to look forward to. As always, our website, aserious.org, always has more information and details of any publications, audio titles mentioned during the show that are available on CD or download. Please visit us. You can connect with Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence by visiting their respective websites, quizzyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk. I really hope you have enjoyed listening to A Serious Radio Live, and we look forward to being with you next month. So all the very best, and look forward to being with you 
then.